Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 29 of the Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams, and I'm joined, as always, by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter, at BaileyJAdams22, at Simmons, and go ahead and throw us a follow, at Night Sports Now, while you're there. We're four weeks away from kickoff. Four. That's crazy. When we were like it's feeling real, when now. we were six, I was like, "Ooh, it's starting to feel close." And then that feel that felt like it would have been like three days ago. The way you phrased that, I thought like you meant when we were like six years old. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, I was like, "Well, it feels like we were six years old the last time UCF played a game." But you know what well, UCF's record was when I was six years old? I don't. I believe they went three and nine. <laughs> so nice. Hopefully, well, hopefully, good, it goes good start to this that. podcast. Yeah, I know. Let's start. Well, four weeks away, we think Boise State. Yeah, I forgot about that already. Yeah, so Boise State is dealing with COVID-19 issues, um, so they didn't practice today on Wednesday as we're recording this. Um, yeah. You know what was remarkable to me? What? Um, was, like, so Boise, obviously, they're having COVID issues, and we were watching, we're going to talk about later in the podcast, AAC Media Day all day today. Yes. And Trace Trilko of Sons of UCF was asking everybody, every single head coach for all of the AAC teams, what percent of your team is vaccinated? We've talked about before, Gus Malzahn said last, I think two weeks ago at this point, that UCF's around 70%. Kalia Davis made a, made a big plea today to get that number up. 70%'s not bad. That's like, yeah. I'd like it to be a little higher just for my own peace of mind. I'd but love like, for it to be 100. <laughs> I'd love for it to be 100, but it's getting there. Yeah. And so many AAC coaches were asked that and they were like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Luke Fickle straight up was like, oh, I don't deal with the COVID stuff. That's that's the medical staff. It's like, like... You don't know how much of your team is vaccinated. That's going to be a major thing this year, especially even, since games are forfeits and not postponements now. Even if you, like, I, I get where he's going, like, oh, yeah, I deal with the football stuff, the medical, like, they deal with all the medical stuff. But, like, even if that's the case and that's how you've, like, started to run your program, like, you should still be informed and, like, you should still be debriefed on everything. Yeah, not even knowing the number yeah. is bad. I'm sorry. That, to me, signals that you're coach, not in control of your program. There was another coach that was, like, uh, but first he said he didn't know. And he was, like, I think we're around this. And I was, like, at least he had, like, a That was Dana number. Holgerson of Houston yeah. at first. He was, like, I don't know. And then he, like, paused for a second. He's, like, I think someone told me we were in the 70s. Yeah. And I'm just, like... I don't know how you can, uh, with how last year went down and how many teams had their seasons totally derailed, I don't know how you can't even know the number. I mean, so I'm glad we know. It. For a long time, I didn't want to know UCF's number because I was afraid of the anxiety it was going to cause me because I was going to be worried about games getting canceled. But I'm fine within the 70s. They need to get it higher, but I'm fine with that for right now with a few weeks out of the season. And I'd hope that it would be a lesson to UCF players. I really liked how pro Kalia Davis was of getting the rest of the team vaccinated. I really hope that seeing that Boise got one day into fall camp before having to shut down from COVID is like, hey, get the vaccine and we can have a normal freaking football season. I just like, we went so long, like the last few months of where everything seemed like it was better. And I was like, oh, we're just gonna have a totally normal season. And now I'm like freaking out again. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you're like, ah, you're getting political. I'm really not. I just want a normal football season. (laughs) That's really all there is to it. Well, that's the thing too, is it's, it's important and imperative that like, if the, if UCS going to get that number above like the 70 ish percent that they're at right now, like they're going to need to do that, get on that soon, because like they're out obviously, of time. Yeah, yeah, like you you're going to get the you're going to dose number one, and then you're going to wait two weeks and get dose number two, and then you're out. I mean, I was out for a few days, yeah, after dose number two, and so like you don't want to do that any closer to the season. I wasn't, I was fine, but I'm also just built different. Um, <laughs> okay. I the other thing that I liked that the AAC said was that they're not testing. They said, and this is big to me, is that they said they're not going to test vaccinated players you don't have to go through covid tests if you're vaccinated which yeah. i think is great because that's where like i like like that's where teams could, could get totally wiped out like last year when everyone was testing and it ripped through yeah. a team. so now like 
and you know, so at least now we know, like, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to get a thing stuck up your nose constantly. You're not at risk of it's missing even games. More incentive too for players yeah. that don't want to get tested, don't want to, or don't want to have to deal with that all the time. And yeah, Dude, COVID tests suck. Have you had to get yeah, one? Yeah, I have. They're awful, man. <laughs> they are horrible. It. Did not enjoy it. Not an enjoyable thing that you're gonna want to have to do. If you haven't gotten a COVID test, imagine getting stabbed in your brain up your nose repeatedly for like 30 <laughs> seconds. I don't know how players did that every day last season. Yeah, I, I really don't know how. I, I would have I, I actually gotten, quit the team. I think I got one test. I think I got one test over the course of time so far. I had to get one a couple and, weeks ago. Don't yeah. worry, it was negative. And uh, it was, I guess they've just given up because when I, when I got one, I had to get one early in the pandemic because I was traveling and they like shoved up my nose. And this one, it was a self one. They just handed me the stick see, and they I were just like, that. I like, it was like a mental block. Like I had to yeah. fight so hard to get my hand to shove that up my nose. I can't do that. I can't imagine having to do that <laughs> multiple times a week. I don't, that, uh, yeah. So hopefully, whatever, we're way off topic now. We're just talking about how horrible Yeah, but anyway, COVID hopefully, hopefully are, we're four weeks away from kickoff. Not, I just said how horrible COVID vaccines are. How horrible <laughs> COVID tests are. The vaccines are great. Yeah. I hope players get vaccinated. Um, so yeah, hopefully we're four weeks away from kickoff and we're going to get on more to some of the UCF Media Day stuff, some of the AAC Media Day stuff later in the podcast. But first, uh, we're going to have to continue what we were talking about last week. If, if you listened last week to our emergency segment of the podcast oh, where... Boy. As we were, as we actually, after, well, it was kind of as we were recording, after we finished up recording, things went haywire in college football, which it seems to do every once in like every three days, maybe, um, where there was the <laughs> the news that Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner of the Big 12, came out and said, the ESPN and the AAC are conspiring together to destroy the Big 12 and ruin everything. And so that's where we left off last week. Um, and of course, it's been seven days six six seven days since then and of course so everything's totally just yeah everything's changed and everything's different which my just... favorite part of it so far was today oresco was obviously asked about it ac media days when when there's rumors you're trying to like destroy a rival conference you'll get asked about it and he was basically like he took the stance of like what me yeah like no well he didn't even say no he was just like oh like um let's talk about the playoff, you know, yeah. like twice. So it, it, he basically was like, it was like, tell me you're trying to kill the big 12 without telling telling me you're trying to kill the big 12. So yeah, he didn't have much to say on it, but a lot has happened since he so. did manage to like tank his own presser. So no one could ask about it by talking about the 12 team playoff uninterrupted for like eight minutes. It was a long time. Like, I was like, all right, dude, like, come on. Like I was the like, the question hey. was like, what, I think it was like, are you in favor of the 12-team playoff? And he went on forever about it. He it, it started like, are you in favor of the 10-team playoff? And was ending with like, here's who my ideal matchups would have been. Like 2017, <laughs> you see, it's like, yeah. God, like, dude. It took but so, anyway, yeah. the big realignment news is, well, there's been a couple things. <laughs> the fake news, luckily, was some like radio host in like South Carolina with 5,000 followers was like, guys, my insider sources have told me Clemson and Florida State are leaving. And to go to the SEC. To go to the SEC. And for some reason, people took South Carolina radio host with 5,000 followers seriously to the point that Clemson and Florida State both had to come out and be like... The Florida State president had to be like, that is not true. I imagine that... It's like, you know that meme of like the larger and larger stacks of things like yeah. getting knocked... It was like that. It's like tweet from South Carolina radio host, FSU president <laughs> releasing statement SEC. So thankfully that wasn't true. That didn't really make sense to, to begin with. I fell for it too because like... Pro Football Focus just tweeted it. Like, they were like, oh, according to this random account, like, yeah, it's... Ha-. And I'm like, what? So, yeah. we've reached the point in realignment news where, like, there's the 10% that's real and the 90% that's just absolutely If we wanted to, we could throw something out there if we wanted, like, oh, we're hearing this. So, sources have told the Pegasus podcast <laughs> that USF is considering a drop to FCS. So... <laughs> Uh, you heard it here first. Our, our, our trusted sources um, have told us that. So you don't need to fact check it. Trust yeah, me. Just, just, bro, trust me. <laughs> that's, um, that's the source right there. So the big real news from this week 
like realism confirmed and actually happening is that Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, great name, and George Klyakov, harder to say name, I don't even know if I said it right, from the Pac-12, <laughs> those two commissioners that. had a sit-down meeting this week, an exploratory meeting to talk about what those leagues could maybe do together, whether that's a scheduling alliance or a merger or something else. And that's the new big realignment news. Which would not be great for UCF or the Americans, so, I would think. No, it would not. <laughs> um, this is the worst news for UCF. Uh, and I, like, well, it is and it isn't. It is, but, like, if, so what the Big 12 wants from this is the Big 12 would like this to end with the Pac-12 basically going full open arms and being like, come, yes, be, be part of us. We'll all be a 20-team conference together. Yeah. That's what the Big 12 wants. I don't think that's going to happen. And my reasoning for that is they're just, at the end of the day, all of this has always and will forever be about money. And no matter how cool of a conference that would be, there is no way that adding those eight teams, those eight teams who can't even get a TV contract right now, that adding them to the Pac-12 would increase the per school payout. It would not. Yeah. It would almost absolutely decrease it. You're basically adding eight, like, no power conference is saying, you know what would really increase our TV deal if we added eight middle middle of the middle tier teams. It just, it's not the way it Who works. Who's the best program left? In the big in the Big Twelve, I would say like maybe TCU, maybe Oklahoma State. Right now, as far as like on the field, Iowa State, but yeah. that's they've been good for a year, so that's not enough for me to be like they're a program. Yeah, Baylor just won the national championship in basketball. We've talked at length about how they just don't care. Like b- basketball barely matters in the yeah. alignment. There, the athletic had a, had a stat that they talked with um, some folks at ESPN and the different TV stations or not TV stations, TV networks that actually make these deals, and they look at it as eighty percent of it is football. And everything else is 20%. So basketball, it's not unimportant, but it's unimportant. No matter how, like, prolific Baylor is in men's and women's basketball, it's not going to, like, drastically impact anything, really. Well, I think the great example of that is Kansas. I mean, Kansas is, like, if Kansas could just have, like, a 6-6 and football team, they'd get picked up. But their football is so bad that it counteracts the fact that they are, like, maybe the most valuable or one of the top three most valuable brands in basketball. Yeah. But anyway, this is all to say, bringing it back to UCF, also another rumor, there was a whole thing this week that, oh, Kansas might go to the Big Ten. Don't see that happen. Um, <laughs> I, think PF, I think Pro Football Focus retweeted that, too. Well, the guy who said it, it what he actually, he's broken stuff before, yeah. but what he actually said was taken out of context. Right. Like, he basically he said, too, yeah, he fact. said, like, there had been a conversation, and people ran yeah. with that to, Kansas is going to the Big Ten yeah. in the next couple weeks. So, let me break down two things for you for UCF and how this goes. So, a merger. UCF does not want a merger with the Big 12 and the Pac-12 because that means UCF just stays in the AAC and right. you've got four power conferences. Good news. Merger's not going to happen. Um, scheduling alliance? Might. So I've been spending the last couple days trying to figure out what the hell a scheduling alliance is because everyone just keeps throwing around that term. Yeah. And from my understanding, and when I say mine, I mean the athletic and Yahoo Sports and the people in the know. <laughs> what it, you've un- from what you've understood, from what you've read. And from what I've read yeah. and my research is that there, it would be something like basically the Big 12 and the Pac-12 to increase the values of their respective TV deals agreeing to play a bunch of games against each other. And that might look like out-of-conference games. That might even look like the Big 12 dropping the number of conference games they play to play more Pac-12 games. Those games wouldn't necessarily mean anything in their standings. But yeah. basically, because the Big 12 is trying to look at how to recoup TV value. They, they want to get closer to that $35 million that they were getting when Texas is Oklahoma. And selling a bunch of marquee non-conference games versus we're going to play FCS whoever, that's a way to help that. In that scenario, the Big 12 would almost certainly not stay at eight teams. They would add teams, so that's where UCF can still get in. UCF just would play a pretty brutal schedule every yeah. year. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the thing. Is like, is the the worst case scenario for UCF and for the American is a complete merger, right? My phone is not on mute. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's a complete merger, <laughs> and that doesn't seem likely. 
So it seems like all other avenues or all their outcomes would be probably pretty favorable for UCF. Yeah, the merger thing, the merger one is like genuinely the only one that the only scenario in all of this where I'm like, that is flat out not good for UCF. Yeah, and I also just don't think it's gonna happen. The thing that's like, not to say it's been alarming, but it's been a little bit maybe disappointing just to me in the last seven days is that a lot of the talk has died down about the AAC adding Big Twelve teams or the Big Twelve adding AAC teams. I don't think anything's on the table. I mean, it's not off the table, but it just seems like with this Pac-12, Big Twelve conversation there hasn't been that much talk like i was thinking after last week's podcast it's like all right we can go into next week's podcast and talk about like all right if the aac is going to absorb some teams like who should they take how they structure this how does that look and it doesn't feel so much like that's still like the main conversation anymore well what i think happened frankly is bowlsby did what he what his actions of coming out dropping this news had the intended effect that i think espn the aac kind of went underground with this now where they were like whoops like kind of got caught red-handed so they're taking it slow I don't think that's off the table. I, I, I don't think it's the most likely outcome, but I think, I don't know. This could go a lot of ways. Like we just, we, and, and it's the, one of the things about realignment is this is going to, I mean, you look at, I was thinking back to, I mean, we did this for three years at one point, like 2009 to 2012, there was stuff like this every day. And there yeah. were points where like Kansas was going to the mountain West. There were points where FSU was talking to the sec. There were points where I even retweeted that I'd forgotten completely about that. Conference USA and the Mountain West discussed a merger to form a 20-team. Like, So this is going to go a lot of ways before we really know what's going to happen. I think that I think that a more pressing one to me, and where I, and this sort of was bothering me today, where I'm in a different boat than what's best for UCF is with the 12-team playoff. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of talk in the last week, and we talked about this in the last podcast, I think it sort of had been mentioned by then, how... 12-team playoff, not such a this-is-happening-in-a-year-or-two-years thing now. Right. That, because basically what's happened is Greg Sankey, was the SEC's commissioner, was a big part of creating the 12-team playoff, and now there's a lot of hurt feelings and lost trust there. That The idea that, oh, was he doing this because it was best for college football or because he wanted to get a bunch of SEC teams in the playoffs? So they're trying to Which slow it all down. Which is funny to me, because did, when would they have ever thought that Greg Sankey was trying to do what's best for college football? It's so stupid in hindsight. We all fell victim to it. We're like, wow, I can't believe they all put aside their differences. It's like, yeah. no, it's so stupid. So the problem is, and Gus Malzahn today at AAC Media Day said, he's like, it's a bunch of bull that you would hold <laughs> off on it. You, you know, it's what's best for college football. You have to do it now. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree that a 12-team playoff is what's best for college football. I wholeheartedly agree it would be better than the 14 model. I wholeheartedly agree it would be great for UCF. It would be life-changing for UCF. The problem is I don't want it to happen. And no. not now. And the problem is that as we talked about before, if they, the current playoff contract runs through 2025, if they tear it up before then, they, it can only be with ESPN and completely with ESPN, which that was like a money thing at first. Like, oh, we can get more money taking the open market. Seeing what's transpired in these last few days, both with the AAC Big 12 thing and with the Texas and Oklahoma, the SEC thing, like, I think it is imperative that that playoff not be fully under ESPN's control. Yeah. I think it is crucial to the future of college football that multiple networks are involved in that contract. And that sucks for UCF because it means waiting. And I don't think I'm going to get my way. I think ESPN's going to end up with it. But we're at the point where ESPN is just playing chess with college football. They're yeah. just picking up pieces and putting them where they want to be. And if they control the postseason as they do now, it's just going to... Like, you, if you're a UCF fan, you talk about how much you hate the way college football has gone, how nothing matters now except the top four. That was completely and fully ESPN's doing. ESPN said, we own the playoffs, so we're going to make sure that is the only media narrative that happens. That's not a conspiracy. That's what happened. Yeah. 
And if they it, control, it makes sense from their perspective. Is like they're selling, they're selling the playoff. They're protecting they're, the yeah. value of their property. Yeah, so they're going to talk about that all season. That's yeah, what they need exactly. To do. And that, and that's where we got to the point where we are now. We are where we are now in the sport where there are at most five or six teams each year that can realistically win a national championship, and those are the only five or six teams anyone wants to talk about. If ESPN controls a 12-team playoff, it's going to be more of the same. If you can break that playoff up among networks, maybe Fox gets in there or CBS or something, then ESPN doesn't monopolize the sport anymore, and they can't do what they're doing now, which is marching us step-by-step towards a college football Super League. So I recognize that it would be better for UCF in the short term. If they can sell recruits on, there's going to be a 12-team playoff in a couple years. If UCF can make a playoff on a regular basis. But I also think if we actually trust in UCF, which we trusted in UCF four or five months ago— when we didn't even know there was a 12-team playoff, yeah. then we should trust that they can continue to build the brand they've built now without a 12-team playoff. Maybe that's even in the Big 12, who freaking knows, and just wait it out for the good of the sport and the good of the future of UCF. Like, yeah, it would be great if UCF could make a playoff in a couple years, but at the same time, what you're giving up is what happens then in eight years when ESPN has all the power and says, actually, maybe the 12-team playoff is only accessible to our Super League of yeah. the 30 teams we've handpicked to be college football. So... I, I, it sucks because you lose either way. It feels like, but you gotta. Get, someone has to stop ESPN from completely controlling the sport. Yeah, I mean, because that, that's the point where I was like, they they probably already have too much power as it is. It's they're it's basically what they're doing is like me when I was a kid playing with my little mini football helmets, like on like a plastic field. Yeah, like just that's what they're doing. So they just took the it, burnt orange and the red helmets yeah, and said those should go over here. It's better for college football long term if they do delay the playoff until we kind of get everything figured out a little bit more and yeah i think that does suck for ucf in in one way but if (laughs) if they can find their way into the big 12 or find their way into like a a more a better like a better conference whether whether it's going to big 12 or like whether it's the aac adding some big 12 teams if they can end up that and like the, the playoff is delayed at the same time like that's not a bad consolation no. Like I feel like you're you're you can deal with that because then you can sell recruits on, hey, like, we're in this conference, like we're we're closer to the big boy table, quote unquote. Regardless of what happens with the twelve team playoff, the whole power five group of five thing is just sort of dead now, yeah. for better or worse. And I don't think that means that the AAC is now perceived better. It's just I think we're moving into an era where there's the SEC and there's the Big Ten and then there's the other conferences. Yeah. And that's why I'm really surprised the ACC and the Pac-12 are pumping the brakes on the 12-team playoff because I think it is dramatically in their best interest. Like, does the ACC understand that once Clemson isn't good, they have nothing? Look yeah. at what just happened with the Big 12. Yeah. I mean, if if you look at it, like, if you're sticking for the 14 playoff for now, like like the ACC and the Pac-12 are saying, like, well, let's wait up, let's wait a second. You're looking at the a very distinct possibility that it's two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams. I think th- I th- I think that we if once Texas and Oklahoma are in the SEC, I think that that happens like within a couple of years. I think it'll be at the point where if you get to the SEC title game with one loss or less, you're going to be in the playoff. I think they will have no issue putting Which a two loss be- SEC team in yeah. over a, a, a one is- win pat. Yeah, it's not going to be fun, but yeah. whatever. I, that's just where we're going, and and so that's why I'm surprised. Like from the Pac-12's perspective and the and the. AC's perspective like why would you not want to expand it now the Pac-12 is irrelevant right now yeah they're they enter every season with like there's no chance for any of their teams to make no play and play I don't, except like, like maybe Oregon and maybe but even every year like I don't know and I mean, they have like, to be oh, perfect be, yeah and Oregon's the only difference what, between three, the like, only difference between the Pac-12 right now and the AAC is when an AAC team goes undefeated they're not in the playoff when a Pac-12 team goes undefeated that's 
they have to be to They're get in the, the number four seed and they end up yeah. being blown out in the first round. Like, I don't think, like, I think it, like, I guess that's, maybe the Pac-12 was banking on, oh, once the Big 12 is gone, there will be four power conferences and four bits. Perfect. I don't think they're recognizing that that's just going to mean <laughs> that there's another SEC team getting in. Like, And even, because that's the thing, is even if the ACC is banking on Clemson continuing to be as good as they are, the Pac-12 still should want the 12-team the, the playoff because then you're looking at, if ACC is saying, like, all right, yeah, we'll stick to four, then you're looking at Clemson, two SEC teams, and a Big 10 team. Which is, I mean, essentially what it is now. That you literally just basically lay yeah. out the current playoffs so, plus an SEC team. Yeah, so it just it makes no sense, especially from the Pac-12's perspective. But I think even like, even with the ACC too, because they are like right now they are a one-team conference. Yeah, uh, and, with a few like decent teams mixed in, but they're no not, one like, who can make the playoff. Yeah. I, I mean, and the other problem with the the ACC, the difference with the ACC, in my opinion, but with the Big Twelve is so. Let's talk about Texas, right? Texas, like you put any other logo there instead of Texas and no one cares about that program. I mean, oh, it, right. it, I mean it, it's not been good, but it's a huge brand, a massive, massive brand with a massive, massive fan base that people will watch. Like I'm guilty of it too. I'll watch Texas if they're on TV. Like they can be four and five or whatever. And I'm going to go watch the game. And it's the same with Oklahoma that, and th- like, that's not the way it is with Clemson. I don't think Clemson has been around long enough or I know they're very good right now. One of the top three programs in the sport, but I do not think they have been around long enough that people are going to care about watching them and care about watching them in the ACC if they're not good. If yeah. Clemson, like say that Clemson, like, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but like say for some reason Dabo left or whatever, they drop to like nine and three. Then the next year they're like nine and three again. I think at that point they're not a TV draw anymore. I really think at that point they fall off. Yeah, I don't think it would take very long. That's, no, yeah, that's to me. That's that's exactly like your point makes a lot of sense because Texas doesn't matter how bad they are or how how mediocre they are, they're going to be a draw. That's it's like that for a select few teams in the country. Yeah, and it's the teams that have been doing this since like the 1910s, yeah. and you know, I mean, I would say even to an extent like like you look at some of the SEC teams like Auburn, LSU, Florida, like those are going to be they're gonna they're gonna draw even in a season where they're eight and four yeah or whatever you kind of saw that with lsu this year lsu went five and five and they're all their games were still kind of a big deal i so that's why i I, like i said i just we're getting kind of far off from where ucf is at but i was trying to sort of give an idea of where we're at the playoff so i the point i'm making is while it's bad for college football i do think those conferences are going to more or less come to their senses i don't think we're going to get a 12 team playoff in 2023 i think with the realignment dust has to settle but i'm still like i I just don't see them going all the way through that contract. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean that's the thing too. Is like is like Gus said. Like it's if it's best for college football, why not like do that now? You know what I mean? Like yeah. why not do that as soon as you can? If you're gonna do it anyway, like why not just do it as soon as you can and let all the other realignment stuff kind of fall under that umbrella, or kind of fall under like figure all that stuff out within the context of a twelve team playoff. Like have that set. And be like, all right, well, with, under this 12-team playoff, how, how are we going to structure all this? And it sucks because when we were talking about the 12-team playoff a couple of months ago and that news broke, back when college football was still normal and five power, five group, five conferences, it was so, so, so perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just, I really thought it was going to revitalize the sport, it was going to save the sport, and now it's just like, it's hard to figure out when you don't even know how many freaking conferences are going to exist in two years yeah. to, to know how it's going to impact anything. And it wasn't perfect. I mean, there were genuine concerns about bulls and what happens for teams that you know like what what is an eight and four season now you know like things like that but it was still such a step in the right direction from where we're at now and but the problem is when you look at where we're at now so much of it is at espn's feet in my opinion and Mm -hmm. and giving them the whole 12 team playoff means that they'll find a way to screw that up too so i just i don't know 
I don't know. I think I just it sucks. I I, I care about college football way too much, and I've said that before. <laughs> but I just I'm I'm sad right now. I just it, it, it's none of it's trending in the right direction. There's a lot of opportunity for UCF, and I think when all is said and done, when the dust settles, UCF's going to be in a better spot than they're in now, and that's great. But I still just don't like where things are going as a whole. Well, okay. So when you look at it, yeah, it doesn't look great right now. But the way things are going, like. Four days from right now, everything could be completely different. Yeah, everything who could even be looking knows? great again. So by the time we talk next week, it could be a completely different thing. Everybody's oh, it's great again. Like this is all figured out. This, this, and this. Cool. Yeah, we'll be right. like, I guess UCF will be in the Pacific Division of the Pac-12. <laughs> I don't even freaking know. I that's the other thing too is I'm trying to put like it, it's getting harder to sort what to and what to not put stock in because yeah. every day there's a billion. So that's what I wanted to ask before we move on to all the media day stuff and fall camp opening. I want to ask you, and then we'll leave this this topic. I like the ideal scenario for you. What is it? As I far think as conference alignment. The ideal scenario would be the Big Twelve, the eight stay together, they add Cincinnati and UCF and just stay that way. Stay at ten. Yeah. I don't I don't think that's considered a power conference, but I also don't think it's considered a group of five conference. I think UCF and Cincinnati could very quickly be very good in that conference. They'd get a lot more money than they do now, and I think that preserves the ten conferences, the six auto bids. The Big Twelve champ would be in almost certainly every year. I think that's my best case scenario for UCF right now. Okay, and then do you think in that scenario what happens with the AAC? Obviously, they're they're still at what nine. The A- it'll be like just like have to add. It'll be just like it was in twenty twelve. The they're not going to go to conference. Conference USA is relevant. No one wants any no, teams. Like they're not going to pluck any of those teams. You don't think? You think they'll stay at nine teams? No, they won't stay at nine teams. They'll go get someone from the Sun Belt. They'll go get App State or Louisiana. Yeah. I mean, this, this I, we've kind of like I feel like UCF fans kind of have this like sort of like slightly warmer feeling towards conference USA. Conference USA is probably the worst conference in college football except for the MAC. I mean, conference USA yeah. is horrible. So yeah, it'll be like it always is. The AAC will backfill with some Sun Belt teams. The Sun Belt will backfill with either some Conference USA or some FCS teams. I mean, that's just that's how it went in 2012. <laughs> That'll be what happens now. So yeah, I don't. I think the AAC will survive as the sixth best conference still. I mean, if you sw- if like if the AAC right now and you take out UCF and Cincinnati and you put in App State, Louisiana, and Coastal Carolina, still a really good conference. I mean, it's a little worse than it was before. Yeah. Just like the Big 12 losing Texas and Oklahoma and adding UCF and Cincinnati would be a little worse than it was before. I mean, it's just, it's layers. It just shifts a little bit, but it's yeah. not like a drastic, it's not as drastic as it could be where if you just destroy the Big 12. Exactly. There's no scenario, if the Big 12 does not survive, then college football is going to look crazy freaking different. I like the scenario where things sort of stabilize, and I think that's what's best for UCF. Like, the AAC, if UCF, like, you have to understand. And I, I think I, I, that's pretty likely, too. Like, that scenario seems decently likely. I'd say so. I don't yeah. I, I don't know if it's the most likely, but it's likely. Yeah. It, it, and, like, if the Big we 12 blows up. At this point, honestly. Like, we, no, we, really, we just don't. For, I mean, I still think that does, because it seems like if the Big 12 members were going to all turn on each other, they would have by now. And everyone understands kind of handshake agreement. They are all checking their options, but it seems like they're pretty, they're united in their hatred of Texas at this point to stay together. <laughs> So I, I think I that I hate Texas too. Like Oklahoma, like is doing the same thing, but it's like well, yes, that's true. But I also <laughs> think Oklahoma's doing this because Texas is doing it. I mean, that's Texas true. was the aggressor, and Oklahoma's like well. We, and I think there's know. also been like a longer-standing hatred of Texas because of the Longhorn Network and just everything that they've done in the past. I don't know. It just seems like like being like we're gonna also air all of Texas's high school games. On yeah, Longhorn like I, I think there's probably that already existed with Texas, and they're like Oklahoma, like yeah, you gotta kind of suck for this too, but. Also, Texas is the guy Texas. who's like, we're done with you, Big 12. We're better than you. We're going to the SEC. So what, that we've had a losing record against TCU <laughs> over the last decade? Like, Oklahoma, like, has more or less earned the right to do whatever they want yeah. to do. I mean, they've been one of probably the three Texas most consistent teams in college alone. football for the 20 years of the century. It's brand alone for Texas A&M. 
Or not Texas A&M, for Texas. Texas is straight up pulling, like, logo. Like, yeah. look, at, look at our logo. Look, I mean, that's it. We're so. the Texas Longhorns. So, yeah, I'd love if the Big 12 stayed together, added Cincinnati UCF. They'd probably be looking at maybe, like, $15 million in TV money, which isn't with the rest of the Power 5, but it's also still more than twice what the AAC yeah, makes now. It doubles what they're making now. I think so. UCF and Cincinnati have large fan bases. I think they have a lot of potential. I think they could become brands in that conference, and I, I, I hope that's what happens. I do. I, if you're if you're UCF and you move from the AAC to the Big 12, you have a chance for a perspective shift and to be taken more seriously. If you're staying the AAC and the AAC gets elevated as a conference, the AAC got elevated as a conference, but it's still the AAC and yeah. it's still to be perceived as it is now. So yeah. that, it, 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 that's that's it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think that's a, a a pretty likely scenario, and I think probably the best case scenario for UCF going forward. But with all that stuff being like more in the distant future, although it's still going to continue to change probably by the day, by the week. We've got Can I say actual, one more thing really yeah, quickly? Sorry, I just want to add one more point on that. If you're wondering, like, why I'm only picking two group of five teams, like, oh, because, you know, like, the Big 12 could go to, that gets them to 10. They could go to 12 or 14 or 16. I think the Big 12 recognizes at this point that the more group of five teams they add, the more they're going to be viewed as a group of five conference. So I think they would yeah. want to look at it more more as a plug-and-play than a let's pick, like, pick become a new top conference. Two or two, yeah. of the, two of the top three, I guess. Like, if you decide to get to 14 and you add six group of five teams, that's eight former Power 5 teams to six former group of five. I mean, people are just going to look at you as, well, that's a group of five conference. Yeah. So I think that's why. But anyway, sorry. Go yeah. ahead. Anyway, so, yeah, we're moving into um, something that's a little bit closer, which is a, an actual season. Four weeks instead of four years. Four, yeah, four weeks. <laughs> and so uh, on Tuesday, UCF had their media day. Uh, Wednesday, they opened fall camp. And also had AAC media days on Wednesday, so I guess we'll we'll just go kind of chronologically here and first touch on UCS media day, which I don't know. It didn't feel like, and maybe it's only because they, they just uh, streamed Gus Malzahn's press conference and then like all the other stuff. I didn't even really see. Did they they bring out like some recap videos with the players? I know like it seemed the way they did it was like they just had the players around the field house and they were like letting media just kind of walk around and yeah i media day in my day that uh, by the way this was a very sad uh, moment for me because this was the first in-person media day i didn't cover since 2015 yeah but so. you know i'm an adult now i have a job <laughs> life's rough um but anyway uh yeah no i i yeah I, like in my day when they would do it it would be like they would just and this was pre-covid which is you know why yeah. it, it's like you would just have they the whole roster would be there i mean they literally just throw a billion players in a room they did it at the stadium once one time they did it in the recruiting lounge yeah. you just walk around grab who you want to talk to it was cool because yeah like that like yeah which actually it's funny like you forget how i remember sarah and i covered um the 2017 media day which is funny to forget how like much mckenzie milton's like i remember i want to go talk to mckenzie milton because because mm. sarah was doing just around the corner why was i there I don't know. Was you you might have been in Tampa still. Okay. Um, we want to go talk to Mackenzie Milton. And this was before 2017. It was going into 2017. So what do we do? Like, Mackenzie Milton's standing alone by an awning. <laughs> so I just walked in. I was like, hi, Mackenzie. And, we just talk, like, and yeah. now, of course, it's like there's a freaking crowd around, you know, who, whoever the quarterback is. Like, the media, there was like, that was back in the day when, like, four people covered UCF. Yeah. But anyway, so it was like that. There were just a ton of players milled around. You could talk to whoever you wanted. End of the roster, starting quarterback, whatever. It looked like this was more just they had a handful of players able to talk to. Yeah. So, so like this, I think they did that in 2018 too, though. Cause when I covered it in 2018, I don't think there was, I don't remember there being like that many players because it was, they did it in, they the, were uh, getting a little stingy. Even yeah. They did COVID. it in the, uh, what's it called? What's that room where they do the press conferences? The Stephen Brenda Sloan media room. Sure. Is that Wait, what it's called? No, I'm, talk, I'm talking oh, about okay. the one, the one that's, uh, in the Wayne Dench center, not the Wayne Dench center. Yeah. The one, the one, that, they do the one we did post game press. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what that room's called. Yeah, whatever that room's called. Yeah. So they did, they did, and then I only remember there being like a handful. And I think they might have even just brought the players up on stage. Yeah, no. After after UCF got really good, they yeah. um, kind of didn't give the media as much stuff. But anyway, all that to say, um, 
we didn't really get a ton. There wasn't. That's what I'm saying. That, that was all to say. This kind of felt like a media day light to me. Yeah. It, it it did not feel nearly as expansive as a normal. Media well, day. I think even like I don't even know if they branded it media because they said I know when they posted Gus Malzahn's uh, press conference, it just said his like pre-camp press conference. That's all it said. Like it said Gus Malzahn's pre. Yeah, I mean, but it, it, and I get with all the COVID stuff, you're not yeah. gonna like. But yeah, that was pretty much. So we didn't get a ton of stuff. What we did get, and this well, this came out the day before, like people started noticing this. I think Jason Beatty was the maybe was he the first to notice, but. We noticed that Bentavious Thompson was no longer on UCF's roster. Sure did. And so it just seemed like, okay, well, he's gone. Maybe we're going to get an answer from Coach Malzahn on Wednesday or on Tuesday as to why. And we didn't really. All he said was he's no longer with the team. We wish him the best. So we didn't get a lot of that. But now UCF is without uh, their leading returning rusher. And now their leading returning rusher is Dylan Gabriel. <laughs> That's who so bad. And like, very famously is not a rushing quarterback. Yeah, I don't know. It's the Batavius stuff is like. First off, there's a few people who are like, "Oh, it must have been like, you know, the depth of the running back room." He decided to leave. No, <laughs> we don't know exactly. He's not even in the transfer portal. No, yet, we don't know exactly what happened, but he was very clearly kicked off the team for whatever reason. Yeah. So, and UCF fans are kind of like indifferent towards this more or less. They're kind of like, and you are too. You and me have been arguing on this, which is rare because usually indifferent I, isn't the word I would use, but. Well, you are. You're being indifferent because, like, all these UCF fans are like, whatever. We have a lot of depth. It's like, yeah, de- like experience matters too, and there's not a whole lot of experience there, other than Isaiah Bowser, who's been like injured half his career and hasn't had like a real season that he's gotten a ton of reps in like three years now. There's not a ton of experience there, and I'm not saying that that's like, oh wow. I, like, there were some Boise fans tweeted like, oh, I feel better about the opener now. Yeah, it's, it's like, like okay, right. guys, calm down. <laughs> it's not that type of thing, but it is, especially as the season wears on. I mean, we saw what a young offense looks like late in the season in 2016. It's not pretty. Yeah. And I just, it kind of reminds me of last year when it came out, like when the opt-out lists came out and it was like, oh, UCF leads the nation in opt-outs. We were all just like, I did it too. I was just kind of like, whatever. Like, <laughs> it's just easy to play stuff now. I'm like, no, I do think this is something to monitor throughout the season. I do think it could become a problem. It is. And I'm not, that's the thing. Like, I, that's why I wouldn't use the word indifferent about how I'm feeling towards it. I would just say, it, it's obviously a loss. I mean, he's he was the most experienced back on the roster. He was the leading rusher. He was a guy who, I don't know whether he would be in the starter or not, but he was going to get a lot of carries, I think. I think we talked about before that he was definitely going to start the season yeah. as a starter. And so it's obviously a loss, but my my stance on it is less like, oh, whatever, like it's it's cool, we're, we're good. It's just like there's just so many running backs on the roster as it is that you're kind of bound to just have a couple guys step up and kind of carry it carry it forward and, and step in for him. Returning and the I, line helps too. Yeah, that and having the linebacker like helps, and that's the thing. And I, I think – this is part of the trap that I fall into, I think, every year now with UCF, is that with no matter how many questions there are, I'm like, well, UCF has talent. They're going to have the talent. So that's the thing. Is in the running back room, they're going to have the talent. It just depends on whether or not it plays out. Like, we, we don't know. And that's that's where it kind of gets scary, where now the one known commodity that we had in the, in the backfield is now gone. So that's where I'm kind of like, ugh. But I'm like, there's so many guys, like, you got, I, I don't even want to name all of them because I'm gonna, obviously going to forget somebody. But you've got Isaiah Bowser, you've got Mark Anthony Richards, you've got Johnny Richardson, R.J. Harvey, Demarius Good. I yeah. I, I'm already forgetting. There's probably like two or three more. Did you say Johnny Richardson? I did say Johnny okay. Richardson. Um, Trillian Coles. Trillian Coles. I didn't say Trillian Coles. Juwan Forte is one of them. Yeah, there's, there's uh, so many. Okay, but here's the thing. So we're now looking at a team that essentially has no running backs who were here last year. Yes. Um, And has basically like one wide receiver who was here last year. Um two but like you know what i mean yeah like that were substantial to the team 
does a team with that dearth of experience or just new guys is that does that scream conference champion to you or new year's six bid to you no but that's what the expectation is for this team what i'm thinking too though is like whatever your thoughts on ucf's like expectations before bentavius was gone like now that he's gone even like now that he's gone like i don't think they changed that much you know what i mean like whatever you thought before i don't don't think it dramatically changes my view of this season is going to be like is going to cause anyone like not we're not just saying your your expectations we're saying anyone if anyone expected ucf to go like to the conference championship game or whatever I don't think it really changes that much, like, where you lose a running back. You're like, okay. But here's the thing. This so. is what I'm saying. It doesn't dramatically change my view of the season. Yeah. My view of the season is that they're going to go 10-2 and, and not make it to the conference championship yeah. game. So, like, for the fans out there, I mean, I put a poll up this week that pissed me off. You saw it. Yeah. That I asked UCF <laughs> fans, how many wins does UCF need in 2021 for you to be happy with Malzahn's first year? And, like... What were the options? It was... I said 10 or... I, I said 11 or 12, 9 or 10, or 8 or less. I think I put 9 or 10. Because you're rational. And like four, like almost half of the poll voted eleven or twelve, which is I'm well, sorry if you're listening to this and you vote that you're crazy, like you're <laughs> nuts if you think that in the first year of a new coach late. coming off a six and four season where the defense gave up thirty four points a game that you're saying no, yeah, I would only be happy if UCF literally went undefeated or dropped one game. You're crazy. Those people came in late. I will tell you that because I don't know if you're like tracking it every time, like every I don't know. I when I voted. The majority of people were saying nine or ten, and I was like, okay, "No, it like crept it's... back up like yeah, crazy." Yeah, so I know. Like, once once I looked later, I was like, "Okay." And I'm but not saying that I'm not saying that can't happen. That could be what yeah, happens this season. But it's that you would only be happy if UCF is eleven and one or better. That's when you'll only be happy. UCF's done that three times. They've been <laughs> playing football for forty years, and they've done that three times. So I'm sorry that you hate your own team, but that's not realistic. You're bound to be disappointed. I, 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 it was and that's the thing. Even say, me saying nine or ten, like I'm bound to be disappointed. I think because there's a very, there's a very real chance that I think they go, they could go eight and four. Eight and four is for me. I don't know if this is you think this nine is and wrong. three is my cutoff of what it could be a good year. And what could no, be. I'm just, eight and four for me is what I'm saying is like the worst I could see them doing this year. Oh yeah, I don't think that, no. I couldn't see them going seven and. Five I'll say right now, I don't think they'll be eight and four. I don't either. I, I think I'm just saying that's the very worst that I think they could. Yeah, be. that would. But that is like a, everything went scenario. wrong. Yeah. Like, yeah, and even still, eight and four isn't an awful season. It's just okay. I'll be very clearly, this is a building season. It also but fascinated me for other teams are like three and nine or like yeah. USF last year one and eight. It also fascinated me how many people like their main complaint appeared to be like, oh, but if we're not like. They just don't want to go to a bowl game that isn't a New Year's Six Bowl. Like they're like, oh, like I don't want. Oh my god, I'm sorry, I'm just starting to get angry. All the people, like <laughs> all the people who think 2019 was a bad year, where UCF went 10 and three and finished as a top 25 team. There's 130 teams in college football. Group of five teams do not get to be in the top 25 that often. UCF does it all the freaking time, and you're throwing fits about it now. Like, and there were some people. It's like, oh well, it's like we're gonna be stuck with Marshall in the Gasparilla Bowl again. It's like. Are you actually the fan base now where if you're not playing a top 10 team, like, who do you, like, who are you comparing UCF to, like, the AAC needs better Bulls? Like, who do you think Boston College plays in Bulls or anybody outside of, like, Clemson, Ohio State? They just play other 6-6 six and six or 7-5 and five teams. Like, yeah. what are you comparing? I just, man, it just, here's my problem is what it comes down to is I'm going to be absolutely livid. Like, livid to the point that I'm going to quit the podcast and <laughs> shut down Night Sports now. If UCF goes 10-2 and two this year, and goes to like I don't know like the Gasparilla Bowl or the freaking whatever the Fenway Bowl and be, or the Fenway Bowl and beats up on six and six Syracuse or like 
nine and three Georgia Southern and goes 11 and two and finishes ranked like 19th or 20th. And I'm like, wow, what a great free shoot from Malzahn. And 80% of the fan base is going to be like, the sky is falling. Dylan Gabriel's a failure. We should have hired Lebby. Like I can just see that's going to happen. And I'm, and I'm just going to be done at that point. Like if that's the fan base, I don't want anything to do with this fan base. Like that's just, cause I can see that happening there. We're going to, you can go 11 and two and be ranked and they're going to be pissed about it. I feel like you're yelling at me. <laughs> I'm just, I just, because like, can you not see that exact no, I, thing I, I happening? Can. I can, and that's that's the scary part. Is as like outlandish as all that sounds, it's very very realistic. Because what happened is in 2017, UCF went 13 and 0. It was really cool. They won the Peach Bowl. They claimed the national title. It was great. And what I didn't realize, I realized as I was celebrating that, was a good 30 percent of the fan base went, oh. This is what every year is now. This is the standard. This is now what we're going to do every single year. And the problem was, then in 2018, they did it again. And then that 30% became 80%. (laughs) And now everyone, since those two years, those two years in a 40-year history are under the impression that that is what every single year should be UCF. Guys, Mackenzie Milton is not your quarterback every single freaking year of college football. That's not going to happen. I wish he was too. (laughs) But, like, I just, I'm so sick of people that can't find any freaking enjoyment in a season Unless it was literally the dream... Per- There's a reason it's called a dream season. Because it doesn't happen every single year. UCF is not Alabama. UCF is not Ohio State. Okay? Well, I know we all want them to yeah. be, but they're not. They're just not. That's where you get... That's where you can go like, well, that's where they should be. They should be the Alabama, the group of five. And that's just not how it works. Okay, but that's the other thing. Is people's, like, people have actually tweeted me like, they need to be like Boise State back in the day. Boise State has been to three New Year Six Bowls in 15 years. You are trying to hold UCF, UCF to a standard three, that doesn't exist. UCF's been to three in how many years? In the last eight, eight years. Eight, yeah. They've been to three. That's UCF's like been the most successful group of five teams. So then if you come at me with, well, they should be Ohio State. They're not. They're not in the Big Ten. They don't get $40 million a year for fueling a team. <sighs> I'm searching my brain for like a topic that we can like bring things back down a little bit but i don't know like what 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 stood out to you from ucf's media <laughs> sir kind calm gentle sir i wonder how much of our audience i just alienated permanently with that rant i wonder how many people like had to turn down their radios or turn down like the volume on their phones yeah and like who is getting a little bit loud in my ears if any of you follow me on twitter none of that was new information or yeah, surprise I mean, to you. Yeah. i think at this point everybody knows what they're getting from you pretty much you might be the most hated man in ucs fan base Trace asked me if I think who hates me more UCF fans or Cincinnati fans and I'm like at, at this point I don't it's like, know. like the memes where it's like you know like the one one hand like joining up with the other one like the middle of it so like UCF Cincinnati, UCF Cincinnati the middle of it's gonna say hey Christian Christians. yeah I really there's just there's gonna be a third hand too that has USF the important thing to remember though if you don't like me is that I'm right so anyway <laughs> that's gonna make everybody on to, like uh, you even more on to the actual media days um I think that one thing that stuns me was the preseason poll mm. And in that, first off, congratulations to Cincinnati for being the number one team in the preseason poll for the first time since 2015. They went 7-6 and six that year. Um, but anyway, unrelated to that. Did you pushback on Twitter from that yet? No, no Cincinnati fans have noticed it, which was kind of a letdown. But my you're other takeaway was... at this point, honestly. What'd you say? You're just baiting them at this point. Like, yeah, you, you're of course just, That's I what am. you're looking for. That, that's intentionally what I'm doing. Um, the secrets out on SMU is kind of what my main takeaway from the ACD yeah. was. They finished third in the poll. Um, there's a lot of hype around them and we've kind of been talking about them for a while and we've got some pushback on Twitter of people being like, why are you talking about SMU? They're bad time. SMU's freaking good this year, man. They're going to be a problem. They've been a, a decent, like a, a good, decent to good team the last few years. That might be, like, I think and this outs- could be the year they put it all together. Outside of Cincinnati, I think that might be UCF's toughest game. I think Cincinnati will be really tough because that crowd is just going to be like, they live to play UCF apparently, so that's going to be like a really big crowd, but yeah, I think You know how tough. much it sucks that they, so UCF went to Cincinnati in 2019, obviously, and that was Cincinnati's big win. They rushed the field, whatever. Yep. 
huge major atmosphere. Their best crowd like ever. Yeah, in that and then you go the next year where like oh UCF gets to come back home and play them, and they just didn't get to have an atmosphere because of COVID. And then now we're here we are again. Like fans are back. Oh, we have to go back to Cincinnati. Let's th- let's think about 2020 for a second. Do so, we have to? Yeah, we do. UCF coming off of 2019 originally was like we're gonna host Cincinnati. We're done playing Memphis. It's great. Um, and then <laughs> the AAC was like a couple things. One, UConn left, so you do have to play Memphis again, and for some reason it's going to be a road game, even though you've most recently played on the road in the regular season in Memphis. Still don't understand why that was a thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then they were like, also, global pandemic, you don't get to have fans. So even though you have... Understandable, but yeah. Understandable. No, I'm not saying it's bad, but <laughs> yeah. you have far and away the greatest atmosphere in the group of five. It's not even like in contention. Sorry, you don't get that. And that's, a, that's I mean, you don't win 21 games if that's at home in a row, if that's not something you've relied upon heavily. That was a big thing for UCF, and it was wiped out completely. Yeah. So, yeah, Cincinnati got a free pass to beat UCF, and UCF inexplicably had to go play at Memphis again for the second time in three years. So, yeah, go 2020. What a great season. Great times. Really fun. Yeah, if we want to run down the AAC preseason poll real quick, Cincinnati was picked to win the league with uh, 22 first-place votes. UCF was picked to finish second with two first-place votes, which kind of surprised me. Uh, SMU finished third, or was the pick to finish third. Fourth was Houston. Fifth was Memphis. Sixth was Tulsa. Seventh was Tulane. Eighth uh, was a tie between ECU and Navy. Um, and I guess you want to say tenth was Temple, and eleventh was South Florida. So, some differences with our between like that and our power rankings from last week, but not too many. Really, it wasn't. Yeah, I actually drastic. was kind of impressed by how close we came. Um, they don't like Tulane, which is yeah. unfortunate for them. And they do like Tulsa, which is also unfortunate. Which is just typical BS with every poll where they're like, "Well, let's look at how they did last year. Oh, they were good. They're gonna be good again." I mean, that's literally so much of this. Yeah, I was kind of surprised to find out this was the first time since 2017 that UCF was not the preseason poll favorite. Yeah, I was surprised. I don't. Maybe it's just because I don't pay too close attention to preseason polls. But don't really mean anything. But yeah, yeah, I was. I was like, wait, were we? I was like, we were favored last year. Because it's just, Which, as we, like, yeah, I mean, we were, uh, well, I, but now that, I, yeah, because yeah. you're we're looking at the hindsight of how last year went, exactly. like, there's no way they could have picked that team to finish first, but. Going, going into, into year, last I year, maybe. I was confident they were going to be the New Year's Six team. Like, I felt good about that. I don't that. even remember how I felt going. It was just, I was so, like, disoriented, I think, just from yeah. COVID and just from the season starting, what, like, three weeks later than it was supposed well, to. And from my perspective at the time was, and it felt rational at the time, was UCF had just had a top 25 season and won 10 games with a true freshman quarterback who showed a lot of potential. So my take was he's going to come back, he's going to have the Milton-esque leap, and then UCF will, you know, go back to being undefeated or close to it. I didn't take into account the defense stopping existing. So that played a role. Um, didn't take into account there being, like, what, how many fans were in the stands? Like, I, I didn't take into account there not being fans. 2,000? Um, how many were actually there last year? I don't even know. I think they averaged, like, 8,000. 8,000? Yeah. Um, I didn't take into account uh, hi- the hypo close games thing going from a worrying <laughs> thing to a flat-out trend. Um, I didn't take into account Dylan Gabriel not having a Milton-esque leap and being really good, but we assigned too much to him there. We were kind of too ready for him to become the next Milton. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of things went wrong in 2020. Great season, though. Really we're enjoyed. We're talking a lot about 2020. Okay. Yeah, we are. Let's talk about 2021. Um, and how UCF's going to go 11-2 and two and the fans are going to be mad about it. <laughs> We've hit a dead end in this podcast. We can't, we're stuck between talking about... I actually, we should say, I told you when I got here. I said, I'm in a really bad mood. Today has not been a good day and I feel like this is going to not be a good podcast for me and I feel like I've lived up to that so far. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't know what, I don't know what more to say, but yeah, we spent a few more minutes here just on the last couple days with UCS media day, AAC media day for one, it's just that that's a tell, a tell of how close the season is. Like today I having, having that on today 
and just having all the coaches and players, you know, cycle through uh, this ESPN Plus broadcast, it was like, oh, I mean, this is, we're so close. But you can tell you and I have problems because we watched, like, all of that. Like, how many people do you think actually watched through, like, almost that entire thing? I don't know. But yeah, I had it on Probably the background. I had it on the background while I was working all morning. And then that's the thing. Once UCF's part was done, I was like, oh, I could see my interest dropping off. And it absolutely Yeah, did. I left for a few. I came, back as, for, I came back for USF. As soon as UCF's portion of it was over, I, like, switched off. It was during my lunch break. And I was like, all right, I'm going to put on Friends right now and just watch Friends. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, it's it's just cool that we're we're there, we're we're here, and fall camp. That's the thing. Fall camp is now underway. UCF had just a, a helmet practice on Wednesday, another helmet practice thing on Thursday, and Gus said that on day three they'll have uh, their first padded practice. But if you, were, I mean, obviously that not that we're going to be able to be there and see everything and watch it, watch everything unfold throughout fall camp. But if you were to pick out like a couple of things you were looking forward to hearing about or hearing reports on from fall camp, what? would those couple things be yeah i mean i'm really curious more than anything just how the transfers are going to fit in because obviously there's been malzahn talked about that today and he talked about Mm -hmm. that in media day about how you know i mean that's a lot of these guys we're not here in spring like so we just didn't get to see i mean like i'm thinking like jordan johnson titus is here now as far as wide receivers we've got mark anthony richards at running back anthony not anthony i'm having such a hard time with that like i in my head i know it's anthony and then i say anthony anyway sorry sorry mark anthony richards that i can't (laughs) say your name um, so I'm excited to see how those guys fit. I mean, I think that's the, and I think that's really more than anything, what's going to, when you've got a season like this where, yeah, you've got a whole new coaching staff, but you've got a lot of new faces. Like that's, what's going to make or break the season and how well they fit. in. I mean, we've seen both versions of that. I mean, look at 2017, like Mike Hughes showed up in August and yeah. became a critical part of the best season in program history. So really curious to see how those guys fit in and who of those guys. I mean, there's some guys that we've talked about. They're like Jordan Johnson, I feel like is one that we talk about a lot, like a former five-star wide receiver came here and not, he didn't leave the power five over talent concern so it's kind of like i feel like we're expecting a lot from him mm-hmm. versus other guys that maybe like an rj harvey who like just didn't necessarily have a lot of hype and now we're interested in like i'm just really curious who actually ends up yeah i mean there's some obvious ones like obviously big cat's gonna be a huge part of things, yeah. but i'm just really curious about a lot of those guys and what we hear from them i think that's one of the things that I took away the most from gus malzahn's press conference on tuesday was that someone asked him about all the transfers and he was like, yeah, like we'll see, like this is our chance to get to see all of them and see like who kind of fits in, who we're going to be able to plug in yeah. in the starting lineup. And then someone I think asked a follow up about like the, specifically the, the transfers on defense, and he kind of like kind of changed his answer a little bit because like he kind of sounded like a little bit skeptical about like oh we'll see yeah. like, how those guys fit mm-hmm. in. And on defense, he was kind of like oh yeah, like we've got a lot of talent on defense stepping in. So I think for me the the transfers on defense are going to be the guys that I'm most interested to hear about and of course you know with the, the unknowns at the running back position and wide receiver it'll be nice to hear kind of how things shake out and really what i'm looking forward to is just whenever that two deep comes out which is usually it's usually like right before Should the be first soon, game, yeah before the first game right the other thing coming up is i think we are i'm gonna check the calendar here i believe we are about the ap poll the ap poll is about a week and a half away yeah because it's typically the third monday of august so yeah, that'll so, be that'll be soon. And one thing, then we'll all get to get mad about how UCF's not in it. One it's gonna thing be with the AAC preseason poll, and this is the last thing we'll do before we jump into some news. They didn't they didn't do preseason awards this year, or are, is that something that comes out later? Is, don't they normally do those, or am I making that up? Because I didn't see it. They didn't. Usually, I thought with with cause I know they do it in other sports. Like when they bring they release the preseason poll, they say, oh, like so and so was picked to be the preseason you mean offensive like, player of the year. Oh, you mean like, or like... Oh, in the AAC, you mean? Yeah. You, I don't know if they do that or not. They do it, it in seems like soccer, like a, and they've done it in other... I know they've done it in other sports. Unless I'm going crazy, but I remember seeing it last like last year with other sports. I don't know. And I don't so, know. I'm not sure. for that not to come out this year, I was like, oh, wait. 
They just but, they just couldn't bring themselves to type down Ritter's name a second time. That's what right. I'm saying. That's the thing is, it, I'm kind of glad that it didn't come out because we would have spent another few minutes on this podcast with the volume levels going up with Christian talking about Desmond Ritter being the preseason offensive player of the year. But guess we don't have to talk about that. If I I do feel like I should say because now that I've I've calmed down the rage and the red has cleared from my vision. Like <laughs> if I offended you with my rant, I do apologize. I am right. But I do apologize if I offended you. I think that we just all need to, you know, be able to find some enjoyment in a football season that's not undefeated because that would really suck to me if we became like a fan base like Texas where we just have nothing to do with ourselves but complain about every single year. <laughs> I, that would suck to me because I think UCF's really freaking special and has an awesome freaking fan base right now. And I would just like if we could just like not treat every season like it's either 2017 cloned or a failure. That would be great to me. Yeah. And the players pick up on that stuff, too, when you're trashing them after every single game because they didn't win by enough points yeah. or because they're only 8-3 and three or well, something. It's I just... liked I liked what, to wrap this up, I liked what Dylan Gabriel said both on Tuesday and Wednesday was that the biggest thing is finding ways to win, whether it's by one point or 50 points. Like, that's the Yeah, way that I, like, resonated with me, too. I was like, I, I like that. Just win, win the games. Like, it's, yeah, you'd like to win. You will, you'd like to win some style points sometimes against, like, opponents that you should be putting up a lot of points on, all that stuff, but... The bottom of the, like at the bottom at the bottom of the day, I was gonna say at the end of the day, <laughs> it's about just winning the games. And yeah, it seems like Dylan Gabriel's really really driven this year, and everything he's saying sounds really good. So we'll see how that translates. But I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited too, and we'll we'll jump in. Um, that's another thing about your apology. Like people are gonna maybe hear that, or maybe they just heard the earlier part, and they're gonna like run to Twitter to like argue with you, and that's just gonna get you just as angry as you were. It's a time loop, man. Yeah, it just I'm, goes, I'm caught in a loop, yeah. but whatever. That's how, that's how it goes. But we'll jump into so some news really quickly. Um, not actually, surprisingly, I guess we talked about a bunch of football news within media days and all that, but outside of what we talked about already, uh, Dylan Gabriel was named to the Walter Camp Award watch list, and he's already on the watch list for that, the Davey O'Brien Award and the Maxwell Award. And uh, another watch list um, for, uh, that, for UCF players, Andrew Osteen, is on the Ray Guy Award watch list for uh, the best punter in the nation. Uh, UCF, they uh, they teased some people last weekend, and, and they released a patch for this year's space game. Yeah, they did. Uh, the theme being Discovery. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they kind of like retroactively like themed all the other ones, or were those, were those already themes? Uh, the, so there had been like sort of themes before the patches were new. Okay. We got we got new patches for a couple it, of Yeah, this, this Discovery is following year one was we have Liftoff and then a Familiar Flight, yeah. and then Rendezvous with the Stars, which I don't remember which, being like... Which, man, let me tell you, the, well that's because that to all of us that was the Moon Helm again. Yeah, and then um, Exploration was last year. The Familiar Flight patch, the second one, which was UCF's stadium with the rock, yeah. like, like, in patch form, so freaking cool. Yeah. If they, if they, they sell say, that on they anything, they're selling I don't, it or no? I'm sure I don't think they've said a lot of people have asked. I don't know if they've said, okay. but I would buy it on anything. They could put it on a lunchbox, and I would buy it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, so it all looks good. I wish like, and they also put out that video where uh, Malzahn was talking to was it NASA? NASA. He was talking to NASA, and then it was like, oh yeah, like this year with our space game, then like cut away or whatever. That was so mean. Yeah, it was. It was not nice. No, it really wasn't. But not, whatever. We got. Nice. But then we got what he said a few days yeah, later. So it all nice. worked out. Um, and finally, for uh, the last piece of football news, former UCF quarterback Darren Henshaw played from 91-94. He's returning to the program as an analyst, so it's cool to see him back with the program. Very cool. Um, three notable things from elsewhere around the kingdom. Women's basketball, uh, their 2021-22 schedule pairings were announced for the conference play. Um, the conference play, I don't know why I said it like that. Uh, UCF will play South Florida, Houston, Cincinnati, Temple, Tulane, and Wichita State twice, uh, which is normal, one, one home, one away. And their single-game pairings are Tulsa and Memphis at home only and ECU and SMU on the road only. And um, men's basketball got their schedule pairings for the conference play as well. I said the conference play again. Um, (laughs) 
they'll play every conference team twice uh, again, like one home, one away, except for SMU, who they play only on the road, and Cincinnati, who they only play at home. And the last pe- uh, piece of scheduling news: women's soccer released their 2021 schedule. They've got 16 matches, nine at home, and this schedule is brutal. Have you seen the schedule? No, it's, I'm not. It's insane. I'm so they open the regular season on August 19th at home against Texas. Uh, their non-conference slate includes road games at Florida, at Ohio State, and at Ole Miss. And they'll play home games against, uh, like I said, Texas, LSU, Penn State, and North Carolina. Um, and then they jump into conference play on September 16th at Houston. The War on I-4 match is at home on October 7th. And finally, the regular season finale is at Cincinnati on October 28th. Um, so, yeah, that's schedule. If they're I mean, looking we, for a bounce back here, that's a heck of a way to do it. Because when we were at the Charge On Tour back in May... Um, Coach Robertson Haydack like mentioned a couple of those teams. I think she mentioned Penn State, North Carolina. What was that? In May was that, that was that, that was the end ago? of May. Wow. Yeah, she mentioned a couple of those teams, but then um, yeah, it's just that's that non-conference schedule is it's insane. But yeah, if they're looking for a bounce back year, they've got a lot of chances at some big wins. Um, this week, uh, no drip you quiz sessions this week, Christian. Uh, yeah, we're on. Ho- we're we're a few weeks out, and yeah. I'm just ready for the get yeah. back to the season. And I, like at this point, I think. Christian's like brain was so like wired up for that that rant and that angry tirade that like it's probably better if we just if I don't disappoint him anymore by <laughs> getting questions wrong about UCF's uniforms. So I think we'll uh, yeah we're cool with, with skipping that for this week, but uh, we'll be back next week with episode thirty. Remember how we were talking about like oh yeah. by like by the season we'll be like into the thirties on our episodes and next week is episode thirty. Which crazy is man, we're gonna have to do something special for thirty. We said that for like 20, I think. Yeah, but we said for 25 and then didn't. So yeah. we're, we're going to actually do something special next week. Well, now we're going to have to think about what that's going to be. I'll figure it out. Will we? The special thing is I apologize I think, for my rant. I think, for I think our, our continued theme of this podcast is just going to keep promising things and not delivering. And then everyone just going <laughs> no, to... No, 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 no. We're going to do something special next week. Okay. We will. Next next week, special. One week only, Christian won't say something mean about Desmond Ritter. Um, but well, tune in, <laughs> tune in next week, episode 30. Until then, you can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCA Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Once again, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.